The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. Coming up on this week's show, we'll get a review of Disney Magic. Yeah, Susie and her family just got back from a Northern Europe frozen cruise on Disney Magic. So super stoked to talk all about that. Stuart Shearer on the Cruise Guy uh, here for Cruise News. Just a couple of moments. Let's see, what else? Just got back from a six-night sailing on Carnival Vista, Western Caribbean. Uh, got to interview Jay Leno on the cruise. That was actually really cool. Uh, we'll have some Western Caribbean commentary in our interview with Jay Leno on next week's show. Uh, let's see, what else here? River Cruise Radio. Yeah, it's our other show. If, you wanna, if you're just curious about River Cruise, you're maybe wondering what it's like, you'll want to give it a listen. Uh, RiverCruiseRadio.net or just punch in River Cruise Radio wherever you're listening to this. All right. It's time for Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy. What's up, Stuart? Hey, Doug. How's it going? The old Carnival Jubilee has seen its last day. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, the China-based uh, H&A Cruises uh, is, uh, was unable to sell the ship. So the ship is heading to the scrapyard there in Alang. This is kind of where they take the, sh- the, you know, the ships. They, they beach them, and then they have a crew of uh, people that just go and uh, tear the ship apart uh, for scraps. I think they tried to sell it for $35 million, I was reading. They couldn't get that for it. You think they just try to lower the price and then uh, offload it instead of scrapping it, but I guess it's, what, over 30 years old at this point? Yeah, the, the ship was uh, began sailing in 1986. Prior to that, I mean, you had the holiday and the, the, the celebration. Celebration is now, you know, kind of, I guess, uh, on its last tour, sailing with a uh, tour operator out of uh, West Palm Beach, but... Uh, the Jubilee, which was a you know widely loved uh, ship for you know being transferred uh, many years ago to P and O Cruises Australia, and sailed as the Pacific Sun, and then you know, you know it was sold uh, to China's H and A Cruises, and you know needed a lot of up upkeep to uh, make the ship um, you know be able to you know make it seaworthy, and uh, I guess you know we don't know what H and A is doing. From my understanding, you know they took a long time to get the ship paid off and. So, you know, here the ship is uh, heading heading to the scrapyard because uh, no one wanted it. And one ship that is still sailing is Carnival Fantasy out of Mobile. In fact, Carnival is, is doing some extended sailings from Mobile. It is sailing from Mobile uh, after, what was it, a five-year hiatus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they re- returned in uh, 2016 to Mobile. Uh, they have a contract running to 2017. So the ship has been doing four- and five-night uh, short cruises. But uh, they announced that they're going to attempt to kind of change things around in 2018. So they're going to offer five different sailings. So they're going to offer two six-nights, two eight-night sailings, and one ten-night sailing. Now, the Tourism Bureau, I mean, they're, they're trumpeting that, you know, this is great. You know, Carnival must be ecstatic with us. Uh, but it really doesn't mean a whole lot because it's not uncommon. If you recall, 
there were some longer sailings, let's say even out of Jacksonville mm-hmm. uh, on Carnival. And because of some really bad uh, results on those future sailings, Carnival wound up sailing, I think, one or two of them and canceling the other four or six of them. Yeah, they were recall. doing seven-night voyages out of here, or like a series of them back in 2011, I think, and they, they flatlined big time. But what they were trying to do a couple of years ago, Doug, was they were trying to resurrect it. Mm-hmm. And the future, the future bookings on those sailings were not strong enough for them to actually operate them, so they wow. wound up canceling and reverting to the four- and five-night itineraries. You know, here they're, they're going to try to do these six, uh, these five different sailings. So besides the four and five night, we'll do two, six, two, eight, and one, 10 night. We'll see if we get any interest in it. If they don't, then at some point in 2017, Carnival could uh, go back and, and cancel them. It was interesting. I was in Cozumel a couple of days ago on Carnival Vista, and here comes Carnival Fantasy, the oldest class or the oldest ship in the fleet, 27 years old. It's amazing to see how far cruising has come in that time. 1990 is when Fantasy came out. It was the first of five Fantasy class ships. Um, it certainly uh, trumpeted a, a new ship design. Uh, for Carnival Cruise Line, that proved to be uh, incredibly uh, successful. Uh, the, the ships are, you know, sailing all over the United States. They've been uh, redone many times, and uh, they, they, you know, a lot of people really uh, have enjoyed those ships. And when you look at uh, Carnival Vista, which debuted in 2016, it's a it's a monumental difference. Uh, the only thing that that's rem, you know that that is similar is the the colors on the smoke, you know, the somewhat of the design of the smokestack, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that they float. I mean, other right. than that, I mean, they're just distinctly different ships. Yeah. Um, so you could really see how modern cruising just continues to evolve. Royal Caribbean's Ovation of the Seas canceled some cruises because of an unscheduled dry dock. What happened here? Well, it was uh, forced to cancel uh, two four-night sailings uh, from Tianjin, uh, which is the port for Beijing. Um, because of propulsion issues. Um, it is a new ship. It's about a year old. Uh, it is sailing in China. And uh, unfortunately, the, the work that needed to get done necessitated that they cancel these two sailings so they could get the ship in a dry dock and uh, repair the, uh, the, the propulsion. What, what class ship is Ovation? Ovation is the third in the Quantum class okay. uh, of ships. And uh, so it's, you know, there's uh, Quantum, which is over there. Uh, Anthem is in uh, New Jersey, you know, slash New York. Uh, An Ovation uh, is now out there, and Royal Caribbean just announced that Ovation 4 will also be going out to China. But because of the softness in the China market, you know, we've seen that Ovation was exclusively supposed to be in China, but we just saw that uh, you know, just, it actually wound up doing a very successful season in uh, doing the Australia market as well. And another ship heading to a scheduled dry dock is Celebrity Constellation. Yeah, Celebrity's uh, Constellation is going in for another dry dock and another transformation. Um, you know, these uh, Millennium-class ships from Celebrity have seen uh, extensive alterations over the years where new cabins were added, uh, you know, over the past couple of years. Um, I mean, Constellation is the newest of the uh, Millennium-class ships. And uh, now they're going to be adding uh, some new restaurants, some new bars, and uh, it, it's going to make it much more reminiscent of the, uh, of the newer ships, including that they're going to add the uh, RFID technology, which means the boarding cards are going to be, uh, you know, have an RFID chip. So this way, there's no more, you know, you don't have to insert the card anymore. You can just wave it very close to the reader by the door and it will open. 
A couple things here on ship internet. First off, Holland America it, they launched a well, they're calling it a web-based app, but is it really web-based? It's not web-based. Okay. They're essentially creating an intranet system, which means that this system is going to live solely on the cruise ship. You're not going to go out and be able to surf the web, which would be an internet connection. This is an mm-hmm. intranet, which it's kind of like if you, you were in an office and you opened up a browser, you could surf the system that is in the office, but you couldn't go anywhere or do anything else. So in this case, what Holland America is doing is they're putting all the information, uh, reservations um, you know, for, for dining, um, so what passengers can access with any of their internet-enabled device, mobile devices. So they could do it on their laptop, they could do it on their cell phone, they can, they can open up the browser on their tablets, you know, an iPad, and be able to look for information on the, uh, on the cruise lines on, on Holland America and uh, so they can make dining reservations and, uh, and, and other things, or if they need to find out with about tours, uh, they, they can do it from the, anywhere on the ship um, using this new navigator. But it's not the, like the Ocean Medallion that their parent company, Carnival Corporation, has been developing. But uh, it's another useful item. I mean, as far as, you know, is this like a new technology? The answer is no. In the second story here, I don't know if it's really a story or not, but Carnival Cruise Line just announced that by midsummer you'll be able to pre-purchase your internet plan before you sail. Yep, they're they're going to be uh, moving uh, from two to the rest of the fleet by uh, the middle of the summer. It's like a lot of other things, like your tours, like certain dining, you know, or spa treatments. You can buy them in in advance. So here you can buy your internet packages in advance. You know, I, I don't really see any reason to do it. I mean, wait till you get to the ship because they're really not providing you any advantages mm-hmm. to, you know, pre-purchase anything. Well, I mean, unless you're like me where, like, if, if I'm going on a sailing for fun, I like to prepay everything, right? So I like to pre- prepay my gratuities. I like to prepay dining. If I get a drink package, prepay that. So it's just another thing you can prepay if you want. If you want, but yeah. it's just another thing you're... You're putting your you're putting at risk because Doug, I mean, what happens if you you go ahead and you prepay all that? And let's say you have to cancel your cruise. It's, it's not a lot of fun trying to get your money back. Right. Forget the insurance. This isn't something that would be cancelable or that they would be a penalty on. But you know, when you deal with dining, you're dealing with the dining department. And mm-hmm. if you've ever seen the credits on your credit card, it comes back in piecemeal. <laughs> so it could be you know if you if you gave them a hundred dollars, you could wind up with thirty dollars and fifteen cents. And then, you know, you know, five or six different transactions that add up to $100, you know, try and go uh, calculate that out. And then it's like, well, I, you haven't refunded my dining. You haven't refunded my gratuities. Then you have to go deal with another department about your Internet. And it's just you're just putting more out there that's completely unnecessary. You off your soapbox now? <laughs> I'm off. <laughs> okay. We've been talking with Stuart Shearer on The Cruise Guy. Find him online at cruiseguy.com or follow him on Twitter at cruiseguy. Thank you, man. Hey, my pleasure. Cruise Radio. Maintaining our global reach. Listen live at cruiseradio.net. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? 
Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Have a question for the experts or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. We always like to get your cruise reviews here on the show. If you have one you'd like to share, shoot me an email, doug at cruiseradio.net. Like Susie, her and her family just returned from a Disney magic cruise up there in Northern Europe doing the Norwegian Fjord. Sounds so cool. It was one of their Frozen-type cruises from the, the Disney movie a couple of years ago. Susie's on the line right now. Hey, Susie, how you doing? Hi, Doug. Before we get to the ship, because I'm super excited to talk about the Frozen-themed cruise and um, Disney magic, let's take a step back. What made you want to sail this cruise, this itinerary in Northern Europe? Well, the year before, we had been on the Norwegian Epic and had done Western Mediterranean just to see if our kids could handle Europe and flying there. And they did really well and really enjoyed it. We had the best uh, summer vacation up until this vacation. And uh, so we wanted to go where both my husband and I have never been, which was Norway. We, I also had not ever been to Denmark, which was the starting point for the cruise. So we decided that, and plus, we wanted to have our cake and eat it too, you know, bring the kids. But we know that our kids can't always endure the tours or an all-day type of tour. They're not interested in the history just yet of European history unless they've learned a little bit about it. So I tried to go into the Vikings and stuff before our trip. But this way we knew that once they got a little bit bored or tired midday while we were at a port, we could put them back on the ship in the kids' club, which we know that they love because they had done the Disney dream in the past, Mm -hmm. and uh, we could go back out to the port and enjoy the town. So the short answer is... The adults have their way, and the kids have their way. <laughs> Very nice. A nice a nice balance there, too. So you make your way over to Northern Europe, make the transatlantic flight. You get there. How was embarkation for you? It was actually faster than when we had gone through Port Canaveral. It probably took about 40 minutes for us. The only downside was because it was raining, it was a little chaotic, everybody trying to get in and out of the rain, but the little glitch that happened was when people were actually boarding and running their key cards through, they had a lot of people with husbands' pictures on their wives' key cards wow. and vice versa. So part of that is just because that, that port in Copenhagen is just a temporary port for them. They only do the Disney people like you know three times a year, I think, or so. So as a result, they had an extra line inside that atrium so that they could fix everything. And there was a a nice little queue, uh, which took an extra 10 minutes right in that security check-in area on the ship itself. So how long would you say from curb to the ship? How long did it take you? Probably 50 minutes. Okay. And uh, you make your way on board Disney Magic. What were your first impressions? 
Well, I had expected it to feel a lot smaller than the Dream, but I was actually pretty impressed because aside from the atrium itself, it was a very, very big ship and it was gorgeous. I mean, you step back from the ship and look at it from the curb and you're just like, wow, that's a handsome ship. And you go inside and it's very, very tastefully decorated. You know, it has that art deco thing about it. Also, the super friendly crew that they had when I was going around from the uh, lunchroom to the spa when I was just getting a feel for the ship. Everybody was very, very uh, nice and super friendly and they even remembered my name over at the gym and the spa, like the very next day, even after meeting, you know, probably hundreds and hundreds of people going through. So that was very nice. It amazes me, the memory of the crew members on these ships, how they know exactly who you are. It's, it's, it boggles my mind. I can't, I have to know someone's name like three times when I meet them before I remember them again. And these people yes. meet you one time and it's like, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, wow. You're I know, I feel bad that. because I always have to look at their name tag, you know, right. and just say, oh, hey, how are you? Yeah, exactly. So you make your way to your stateroom. Uh, what kind of stateroom did you have, and what did you think of it? We had an ocean view room. We were on a 7514, which was uh, a very, very higher up floor, probably. I think we were about two floors down from the, the main top deck where the pool was. And we were on the starboard side, closer to the bow. We were ha- very happy with it. It was clean. We had plenty of room for our storage. Of course, everybody compliments the dual bathroom on the Disney ships, which, you know, has the nice thick towels. It's got the hidden Mickeys on the shower curtain. And uh, the, the programming on the TV, my sons were very happy with, because for my younger son, there was the Mickey Mouse cartoons on uh, Endless Play. And then for my older son, they always had a superhero movie going on, which you know he would have been happy to just stay in the entire room for the entire time. <laughs> did, did you find that there was plenty of, of space and was it well appointed? Absolutely. Yeah. Very nice. Let's talk about dining uh, aboard Disney Magic. Now, I'm not familiar with the uh, the Disney Magic and the Disney Wonder. Is it rotational dining on these ships, like the sister ships? Yes. Okay. So how, how was the dining experience for you? Uh, we were very, very happy with the dining experience. And we. Uh, I think the best thing is always the, the personnel. Uh, the servers are just amazing. The way that they get to know you, they get to know your tastes. They entertain the kids. Uh, one time, my, my husband even went to the bathroom during the middle of the week, and uh, Sylvia from Poland, our, our head waitress, she goes, what happened to your husband? And I was like, oh, he just had to run to the bathroom. So I was like, why don't you sit down? Just relax. So she sat down, hung out there. I was like, let me get a picture of you. And she's there pretending to drink a beer. You know, just, They're just a lot of fun to be with. They're, it's great to talk to. So, But anyway... The dining experience, the other thing that I loved about it was the entertainment Mm -hmm. uh, that they would kind of add in, such as they would make hats for the kids and the adults at the end of the night at one of the dining rooms. They also had a Mickey surprise visit as the the sorcerer from Fantasia at the end of the night at Animator's Palette. You know, we made these drawings that they did also at Animator's Palette on another night, and then they projected them on the wall and had them dance. So there was always, almost every single night, there was something to look forward to. And the quality of the food was great. Uh, Even at Cabana's, which is the buffet style, I thought that it was equal to what was being served in the dining rooms. Wow, very cool. Now, we were talking about rotational dining here. Uh, For the people who have not sailed Disney Cruise Line before, talk to us about rotational dining. Like, what exactly is it? Well, the main reason our servers know us is because they follow us from dining room to dining room every night. And when you arrive the very first night, you get a card in your stateroom that tells you which dining room you're assigned to. 
So we had two nights in Animator's Palette. We had two nights in uh, Lumiere's, which is kind of more the French feel for it. And then the third one, Carioca's, is kind of the Caribbean feel. So Sylvia and uh, all the other servers that were with her would come follow us and be at the same group of tables so that we really got to know them every single night. That's awesome. And how was the, the buffet food on the ship? Buffet was great. I mean, the problem is I, I'm one of those people who start at the very beginning and have a full plate by only a third of the way through the yeah. buffet. And then you're like, oh, gosh, they have shrimp and they have crab legs and they have steak down this way. So it, it never, I, I always want to make sure I eat everything on my plate. So yeah. unfortunately, there's just way too many choices. I would have you know, definitely uh, gone back for more, but I was full just from the first stuff I picked up off my plate. (laughs) Nice. Let's talk about entertainment aboard Disney Magic. Disney really excels in the entertainment department and all aspects of the cruise. How was the entertainment on Disney Magic for your family? It was uh, really exceptional. uh, and, And the main thing was, there's two things that stand out in my mind. First thing was the very last show, uh, the night before we were brought to disembark. They had a wonderful show that was uh, almost, you know, it's pretty much Broadway caliber. It was called Dreams, and they had little snippets from The Lion King and from Aladdin and everything you could think of, and I was just blown away. They had had snowing in the theater. You know, Let It Go song was projected, and the light show was going all around the theater, and characters were coming in from the side doors and here and there. It was just an overwhelming of the senses. So, And my husband and I, we weren't even sure we were going to go to that one. We were just like, well, the kids wanted to go to the kids' club, so let's go to the show since that's what's going on right now. And I'm, I'm so glad I did. So that was the first thing. The second thing that stood out in my mind was my kids loved, and so did I, going to this place called the D-Lounge, which after the shows at night at 10 o'clock, they would have family competitions, such as a Pirate's Life competition for the kids. They would have uh, How Well Do You Know Your Family, where you'd pair up with somebody else in your home, and they would ask questions like, what would you bring on a desert island? And they would have to answer them and see if they got the right answer of what you would answer. So uh, a lot of fun stuff. Uh, There was a great kids' dance party. They'd play Who Let the Dogs Out, and Goofy came out, a surprise visit, which all the little (laughs) kids were, were absolutely loving it. So, um, and the last one was Who Wants to Be a Mouseketeer, which my son Jacob got to play. So he really, really enjoyed it. And they would give out these wonderful Mickey medals. They, even though they're, you know, cheap plastic, they were a nice bragging right that you could wear around the ship. So we, we fortunately were able to earn two of them uh, each when we were on board. That's awesome. Now, how about some uh, adults-only time as far as like any of the special areas of the ship for adults? Did you get to do any of that? Uh, yes. Uh, we... Uh, during our out-sea day, for example, we went to the couple's massage over at the spa, and that was very nice, enough to put me to sleep that day. And then we also did the wine tasting and the beer tasting, and that also put me to sleep that day, both of them. So they were, those were the nice quality times. And we've been, my husband and I would go to the uh, Irish bar where they would have a lot of the trivia contests. So uh, that was another place that we frequented. Occasionally, there were other uh, nightclubs that they had, but we were never uh, awake enough to go to the events that, that were there. Yeah, very cool. Now, uh, how about sea days? How were the sea days on Disney Magic for you? They were actually entertaining enough. Uh, a lot of because the things that I had mentioned, such as the couples massage and the wine tasting, we did those days and playing the trivia. They had this family scavenger hunt where you had to go around from the ship with your kids to identify different things and then call back and. This one thing I highly recommend 
if anybody ever goes on any of the Disney tours, is something called the Art of the Theme Show Tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever heard about it. I haven't. But it basically, it's, a, it's basically a 15-minute walking tour, and you go around the ship with a tour guide who goes over the origin of how the ship was developed and the architecture on the ship and the subtleties of the decorations and how it was designed, for example, on the fifth floor. You notice that it's a very shorter ceiling. You know, you can almost reach up and touch the sky. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because that's where the kids' club is. And it almost has this Alice in Wonderland perspective feel to it, which I never noticed it until she pointed it out. But once you take that tour, you never really look at the ship again. And, yeah. and just the way that the atrium is, where the columns on the top are smaller than the ones on the bottom to give it that sense of perspective and how tall it seems it is, but it, it really isn't. So it's a, it's a really great tour for any of the adults who ever go on it. I, I highly recommend it. Let's talk about the ports you hit. Uh, what ports did you hit on this sailing, and which one was your favorite? So there were four ports. Uh, the first one was Stavanger, second one was Olesund, third one was Geiranger, and the last one was Bergen. So all of them were great ports. It was definitely rainy or overcast for some of the days. So uh, the absolute favorite one that we went to, and this is by far, is Geiranger because that is like the epitome of the fjords. Mm-hmm. You go through it as you're, as you're coming in. You just see these steep cliffs all along the side of the ship. And, uh, you know, they actually have old farmhouses on the top of those cliffs that you can see uh, from below. And then all along are all the waterfalls that are just gorgeous. And there's this very famous one called Seven Sisters that... Uh, are just a great picturesque one. And later on, when you get off the boat, the best tour that we did was something called a rib boat tour, which is a rigid inflatable boat. And uh, that one we didn't even book through Disney. I just saw it. I saw high recommendations of it on TripAdvisor. And uh, you basically go into this inflatable boat. It fits about maybe 10, 12 people. And they take you at really high speeds through the fjords, and they get you right up close and personal with the waterfalls. So we were almost at the base of a waterfall with water ready to fall on us. Uh, and they would tell us a little bit of the stories of the fjords and, and uh, how uh, there's a picture of a, a troll in the, in the mountain that if you, you know, use your imagination, you can see the stone face of it. But it's just an absolutely gorgeous place. And when you're finished with the fjord tour, you can take a nice hike up along the town side, along the cliff, and be able to get great perspective pictures from there, uh, the wonderful more waterfalls that you'll see around there. So uh, it's one that you definitely should not miss. I mean, that really is just something else, and I think it, I was blown away by how nice it was. When I think of a Disney-Norwegian fjord itinerary, of course, the first thing that comes to my mind, being a Disney freak, is Frozen. How was Frozen incorporated into your cruise? Well, instead of having the usual Pirates Night that they would have on a Disney cruise, Mm -hmm. um, they had a Frozen Night. So there's no fireworks. Uh, One of the big things about this Disney cruise is that the sun does not set till like around close to midnight because of how north we were. So you can't do fireworks. Nobody's going to none of the kids are going to be awake for it or or we won't see them, you know. Mm -hmm. So they had Frozen Night. And for that, they gave out in our staterooms these nice little kind of sparkling light necklaces that everybody got to wear during dinner. 
Also, they had a Frozen deck party that night, which they incorporated the characters of Frozen with some modern songs from, like, Top 40. And my older son was like, I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) And, uh, you know, my my younger son, he was enjoying it. He he was identifying the characters. But later on that evening, there was more of the Frozen party carried over to the D-Lounge, and they would do Frozen karaoke. So the songs there, they would have the host starting it off, and then the kids, one of the hosts would go to each child and they would do the verse, which was be up there. Or most of the kids didn't need to see the karaoke lyrics. They all knew it and they belted it out. So that was kind of fun. They had some frozen cocktails, of course, mm-hmm. over at the bars that were frozen themed. It was nice. Um, my kids, being boys, they aren't as much into the princess Disney stuff. Mm-hmm. So they weren't like, woohoo, frozen, I can't wait. But they did definitely enjoy the karaoke. Who doesn't enjoy cruise ship karaoke, though, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah. always, it's always fun. So you get back, and it's time to disembark the ship. How was the disembarkation process for you, going through customs and all of that? Yeah, it was very, very smooth. I mean, I don't even remember going through customs. It was Either I was just that tired at 7 a.m., or it just happened so quickly. So before we knew it, we were just picking up our luggage and on the bus. We had uh, let them transfer our luggage to the ports, and found it pretty easily, hopped right on the bus, and we were over at the Copenhagen airport within, it's a 45-minute drive from the port to the uh, airport. They're playing Disney cartoons all along. <laughs> so They had to slowly wean you off the Disney experience, I guess, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Do you have any first-time tips for people considering sailing a Disney Northern Europe sailing? Yes, there's a couple. First of all, if you can get there a few days early, It would be great for two reasons. Number one, Copenhagen is a wonderful city just to visit. Uh, Tivoli Gardens is there, and that was one of the inspirations for uh, Walt Disney World, you know, making Disneyland. And the other thing is you get better adjusted to the time difference, because if you're going from the U.S., which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are U.S.-based, it's a hard uh, thing to get up on U.S. time for an 8 a.m. tour in Norway, which is when a lot of the earlier tours started. You do have the option to be able to pick the later time tours, which we did for this one called Olesan, this town, and we were very happy with that. But the second thing is be going with mentality that it's going to be cooler, so average was usually about 55 degrees during the day, and that it very well may rain, so we carried a little umbrella with us each time and only had to use it once, but... You know, don't expect it's going to be the sunny Caribbean and Castaway sure. Key that <laughs> people who are from Disney are used to. Looking back over your cruise, over the whole cruise with your family, uh, what is your biggest highlight or your biggest takeaway? Well, the biggest takeaway was just Disney absolutely just knows how to do it right. I mean, we're not one of those families who have to go to Disney World every year, but they just know how to entertain the adults. They know how to keep the kids entertained. I mean, there's a reason why everybody on this podcast always says praises about it is because it's just a well-rounded family cruise ship. And I was just hoping that in the future that they develop more European ports or other ports just so that we can do it and repeat this experience again. In closing, what are your final thoughts of Disney Magic? Oh, it's a wonderful ship, a very handsome ship. Uh, It's got an amazing crew and um, I hopefully hope to go back sometime soon. Susie, thanks so much for being on the show, and have a great weekend. Oh, thank you. You too. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? 
Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.